pass it down. And then you look to the standard religious person in the room, or the SRP, that's an acronym I just made up right now, <laughs> and that is typically me, or Melissa, or somebody, you know, we're used to that if you're with family gatherings, well, Clark, would you give the blessing, you know? <laughs> and, and you do, and, and they say, well, I would pray, but I don't know what to do with my hands, and I just, I just get it wrong, you know. Now, prayer in my life, I remember my earliest memory of prayer was the Lord's Prayer. That's probably, for, for many of you, is the same. In that, uh, as my earliest memory is just the cadence of it, you know? I think I just growing up in church, being in church every Sunday, I would hear the Lord's Prayer. And so when I actually had memories, I remembered the Lord's Prayer. And when I think of the Lord's Prayer, it reminds me of a story of little kids in church. And... They pray the Lord's Prayer with their parents, and after the Lord's Prayer is over, the kids look to their parents and they say, Mommy and Daddy, why are we praying about trash baskets? And they say, what? We didn't say, we're not praying for trash baskets. That wasn't in the prayer. And the kids say, yes, it was. He said, forgive us of our trash baskets, <laughs> right? As we forgive those who have put trash in our baskets, right? No, no, we're not praying for trash baskets, trespasses. Another memory of prayer for me was when I was about 10 years old. The song came out by MC Hammer called Pray. We got to pray just to make it today. You remember that song? Man, he was doing that little dance with the big old pants. It was a nationwide phenomenon. Everyone's like, yeah, we need to pray. We need to pray. MC Hammer said we need to pray. So we're going to pray. We got to pray just to make it today. And I remember that. I'm like, that's cool. MC Hammer made prayer cool. And of course, there's... There was a story I heard about the 1985 Chicago Bears. There's a really famous football team, right? Walter Payton, one of the best running backs of all time. Coach Mike Ditka, they won the Super Bowl this, that year. Uh, the quarterback, Jim McMahon, I think that was his name. And uh, then William the Refrigerator Perry, right? This guy was called the Fridge because he was 6'2", 340. And sometimes they'd let him run the ball. They don't get in front of him. And so, like many football teams do, they have chapel services. You know, they meet it for chapel. And Coach Ditka um, says to the fridge one day, I need you to pray the Lord's Prayer before we have chapel. And he said, well, Coach, I don't, I don't know the Lord's Prayer. And, he, and all his teammates said, what? Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. You don't know the Lord's Prayer? And he was like, well, I think I do. And so it came time for chapel. The fridge gets up there to pray. Awkward silence. He bows his head. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. McMahon looks over to Coach Dickens and says, it turns out he does know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Who knew? Now, no one is born a natural prayer. I mean, I think Jesus did say to have the faith of a child. So, the, you know, there's an element to prayer that, you know, you need to bring your heart and just say what's on your heart and just be real with God. Like, bring your anger sometimes. Bring your, your frustration. I think the Psalms, the Lamentations, all that stuff in the Bible, there's a place for that, absolutely. But sometimes you do have to learn how to pray, too. And it does take practice. It's sort of like learning a new habit. At first, it feels awkward and strange, and then over time, it becomes more commonplace and natural to you as you get more used to it. And Jesus gives specific instructions to prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He actually taught a lot about prayer. But here, he prays, he says this, Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. 
But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So you never pray alone. Jesus prayed in such a way that the disciples came to him and said, how you're doing it is not how we're doing it. And you need to teach us how to pray because we grew up in synagogue. We're good Jewish boys, but we don't pray like you do. And so they come to him and they say, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, yes, I will teach you how to pray. In many ways, you have to unlearn something before you can learn it. If I was up here with a golf club right now and you saw my golf swing, <laughs> plenty of you would go fix that and that and that and maybe just stop playing golf altogether. <laughs> right. But sometimes you have to break it down and, before you can build it back up again. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Not just the rote words, but let it be a guide for how you pray. So it starts with, of course, our Father who art in heaven. So it's automatically the prayer begins with just acknowledge that you're praying to God. You're focused on God. You're not focused on yourself. You're praying to God. Hallowed be thy name. Just, just glory, worship. God, we thank you. I, I got to remember the Lord's Prayer. I got to go back and remember it. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, focused on God. May your will be done, not my will. May your will be done. May as it is in heaven, in perfection, in perfect peace, in joy, in harmony, may it be so here on earth. May we see a joining of earth and heaven together. And it's really praying the prayer that will happen in Revelation. If you read the end of Revelation, it's not an explosion. It's not Bruce Willis saving the earth. It's, it's heaven and earth joining together in union with each other. That's the promise that God redeems the whole earth. So Jesus is saying, start praying for that now. That as it is in heaven, may it be here on earth among us, O oh God. And forgive us of our trash baskets. I mean, trespasses. Now it gets personal. God, forgive me of my sin. Because it's ever before me. And help me forgive those who have sinned against me. Lead me not into temptation. I like that. In the, he concluded this in the prayer because he's acknowledging that you can be led away from temptation. He's saying it is possible. Don't just pray it, but that you can actually experience that. God can deliver you from evil. So pray for that, because God can do anything. So it's possible, whatever temptation you may feel, he can lead you away from it. There's always a trap door out of the temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's ending the, the prayer with worship and praise and adoration. If you go on to read the New Testament in James chapter 4, James also writes about prayer. And he says this, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. James doesn't mess around. If you read the book of James, he doesn't... Paper was expensive back then, so he did not mince words. And James is saying, you know, when you, if you're only praying to improve your situation, maybe reevaluate while you're praying in the first place. God can certainly help your situation, but don't pray out of selfish ambition. But the, the prayer of question, Lord, teach us to pray, that's a good prayer. That's a good start. It's a good reminder that we don't believe in just the power of prayer, as we've heard over our lives. 
But we, what we really mean is that we believe in the power of God through prayer. I believe in the power of God through prayer because I don't pray alone. You do not pray alone. And if there's anyone here that maybe you're nominally religious or you're sort of questioning all of this, that's good. We're all in different places. And I want you to know that God wants to hear you in prayer. Some people maybe think I'm not good enough or I've got to clean this up before I pray. You can't believe that because God wants to hear from you because he loves you. And he wants to hear your prayers and your heart and your life where you are today. I read recently that the billionaire Warren Buffett, he auctions off a lunch every year and gives them money to charity. So you can have lunch with Warren Buffett. Well, seven, seven men last year paid $2.7 million to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Now, I don't know what they talked about that day, but I don't know. That's a lot of money. It must have been a good lunch. But see, I don't need to do that because in prayer, I can talk directly to the CEO of it all and get advice and direction from the one who knows everything and the one who knows me intimately that I never pray alone. Now, after this service today, you're all going to go out to lunch, right? What are some good places to eat around here? I'm still figuring that out. Shout them out. The Women's Club. Okay. I went to Sweet Old Bill's. That place is pretty good. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. We went there. Liberty Steakhouse. That sounds good. But when we're hungry, it speaks to a deeper need, right? It shows that we're made for food. It sounds obvious. But when we're hungry, it shows that we're made for food and water. Without it, of course, we die. It speaks to the design of how we're made. Now, I had a professor in college in Asheville, UNC Asheville, and we called him Professor Ponytail because he had a ponytail. And thankfully, that fashion trend has gone away over the years. But he taught my humanities class, and it was a great class, and he talked about the history of the world and all the different civilizations throughout history. And in the book, it said, the human beings are a race that has always been a worshiping race. Even for the Sumerians on, we always want to worship something. We're drawn to, now you, you, it can be misplaced worship, but we can, we're drawn to prayer and worship. There's a hunger and a burden there. It points to the design of how God made us. That even after the fall, we're still trying to fill this God-shaped vacuum in the human soul with all these other things. But the, but the design is still there. That we're made for prayer. The hunger points to the design. And Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, if mankind is very far gone from original righteousness, which we are, then thankfully through the cross we can be made righteous again. But we need God's help to help us pray. We need the Holy Spirit to help us pray. It's, it's a grace that God prompts us to pray. When you are prompted to pray or to worship, you think, maybe I should go to church today. Pay attention to those feelings because it's God trying to get your attention. Sometimes we overthink the spiritual thing. But in reality, our conscience, I think, is the Holy Spirit getting our attention, saying, do this. Wherever your heart is, wherever your, heart is your treasure shall also be. The burden, the longing you feel for prayer or worship is there for a purpose. It shows that God is working in your life. See, a hunger for God is a sign of God's presence. 
Just as your physical hunger points to the need for food, wanting more prayer and spiritual, this encounter of the Spirit in your life, this is the Holy Spirit groaning and praying along with you, leading and shaping and interceding on your behalf because you never pray alone. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes this, Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. So just, you know, keep alert, keep praying for all your brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he says, pray in the Spirit at all times. And I love that because my immediate thought is, how do I do that? How do I pray in the Spirit? Because if by faith I know that God has, the Holy Spirit can fill my life, not just a one-time event, but multiple times throughout my life, then I can also, by faith, say to God, I'm going to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Now, if you grew up in the mountains, or if you were in Asheville, like I was for many years, or my wife's from Boone, and you're walking around a downtown area, and you cross a building or an alleyway, and the wind is coming across, right? It just cuts you in half. I mean, wintertime in Boone doesn't mess around. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. And, you know, but when you, you orient yourself in the position of the wind, then you feel it. And in many ways, just simply saying to God, I'm going to pray right now. You are orienting yourself in the position of the wind of the Holy Spirit. You are orienting yourself to pray in the Spirit simply by praying. Simply by praying in faith. Now in Romans chapter 8, Paul writes about how the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. This is very encouraging. It's, it's a loving thing that, that, that the Spirit prays along with us. Now for context of this passage, before I read it, Paul is writing about how all of creation is groaning for the redemption of the world, how we're groaning for the redemption of our bodies, sort of like the psalmist who wrote, you know, how long, O Lord, do we sing this song? That it's almost like a a woman in labor. There's this this expectation, but there's pain. And so he's, 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 he's setting the stage for that. And he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the spirit. Because the spirit intercedes for the saints, that's you and me, according to the will of God. He's saying that the spirit intercedes over you according to God's will. That's how much God loves you, that he helps you pray in a way that is in accordance with God's will. That's what you would expect the love of God to do, amen? To help us in our prayers. The Spirit, in a sense, intercedes for you at times when you don't know what to pray. You don't know what to say sometimes. And many years ago, I got a phone call that no pastor wants to get. It's a late at night, run to the hospital. A family that I was in the church I worked at, their young child passed away in an accident. It's one of the worst situations ever. And you, you go in, and there's nothing to say. There's no prayer I'm going to pray. You can't make that go away. And we embrace, and we weep, and we're overcome. And I, but I felt in that moment, I felt the spirit from deep calling to deep, praying in a way that I didn't have words for, but I knew that he was with us in that hard, hard place, and that God interceded for us according to the will of God. In 2001, I was the camp director at a camp called Camp Carrollwood in Lenore, if you ever remember that Methodist camp. It's now fortunately shut down, but 
Um, I was the camp director, and work, work teams would come in, youth and adults, stay at the camp, go out each day, do uh, home repair. And one night, the cook of the camp said to me, I've got all this leftover cornbread. What should we do with it? And I said, well, then she said, let's put it in the lunches for the work teams tomorrow. And I said, sure, that sounds fine with me. I don't want to waste it. So she wrapped it up in saran wrap and put it in all their little bags. The work teams go out the next day. They do the work. They come back that night. They share about their day. One team stands up and they say, we went to our lady's house and we, we cut her grass and we painted her house. And then we invited her to have lunch with us. And so she agreed and we sat down. We passed out the turkey and the ham and the bread. And, and then he said, I pulled out the cornbread. And I started to pass it around. And the woman saw it and she started to cry. And he said, well, it's a little bit dry, but it'll be okay. <laughs> it's not the best cornbread you ever had. And she said, no, no, no. I have been so sick, I can't get out of the house to go to the store. And she said, I've been so broke, I can't go buy cornbread mix. Cornbread mix is cheap. She said, I'm so sick and I'm so broke, I can't do it. So I, I prayed to God that he would bring me cornbread. True story. God brought her cornbread. You don't pray alone. God gets crazy specific sometimes. And sometimes you pray and you don't feel like anything happened. But he heard it. And in his timing, it's perfect. But you, never, you better watch out. You might get some cornbread in your mailbox. <laughs> if you don't know what to say or how to say it, God knows. You don't pray alone. And if you were here last week and you heard Jeff preach in the other two services, he gave a great sermon about um, the Great Commission and going and making disciples of all nations and, and teaching them for us to obey his words, but also teaching them to obey his words as well. And this uh, evangelism applies to prayer because we are, prayer leads us in evangelism, in my opinion. The Spirit should go ahead of us as we try to reach the world with good news. We need to reclaim our city in prayer. Pray for your spouses. Pray for your children. In many ways, if you don't, maybe nobody else will. Pray for them. Pray for your workplace, your street. Pray for your neighbors. If we pray, God will change those things. Jesus has to keep asking and seeking and knocking and not letting go until those prayers are answered. That there's a perseverance there with prayer. I've heard it said the old cliche is the only answer to prayer is more prayer. One of my favorite quotes about prayer is a guy named Watchman Nee. And he said that prayer lays the rails for the great locomotive of the Holy Spirit to come. That when we pray, we're laying the rails for God to come alongside. We're preemptively going in and praying in the Spirit. And, and over time, God will bring the change. In many ways, and some of you are facing challenges or changes that you can't handle, then give it to God. Let God bring the change in his timing. And the, rail, and the locomotive of the Spirit can come in time. And in terms of prayer and evangelism, you can't really make people believe in the power of God through prayer, nor should you. In many ways, the fruit of prayer in your life is more important. We should ask ourselves, how can I grow in the Spirit? Instead of, how can I convince others to grow or believe in the Spirit? Because you can't convince anybody to believe anything. It's really a matter of making up our own minds. That's how we make up our own beliefs. We can't change or heal anybody. God does that. You can bring them to Jesus, and he'll heal them. 
But we can't do it. But when we pray, we ask God to do it for us and to intercede on our behalf, knowing that we do not pray alone. As we go into this final song, and the band comes back up, myself and our pastor Melissa, we're going to be in the back of the room. And if you, want, if you need prayer for yourself, for a family, for friends, we would love for you to come up to us, and we'll put a hand on your shoulder, we'll keep it confidential, and we would love to pray for you if you need prayer. Or if you want to come up to the altar and just kneel and pray. We'd be pretty hypocritical today if we didn't have prayer at the end of this. So let, let me pray for us as we go into this time of prayer. God in heaven, we thank you that you're good. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you intercede on our behalf. That we don't know how to pray sometimes, but that you will help us because you love us. Thank you, Lord, that we do not pray alone, ever. And I pray the filling of the Spirit to be present here among us these next few moments. May you bring healing and peace upon souls that need it. Amen. Let
country to play in a pro-am tournament and they're very wealthy there and after the tournament was over the the prince of this country writes a letter to Palmer and he says I want to I'm going to mail you a golf club as a way of saying thank you for coming and playing and Palmer writes back and says sure I'll take a golf club it's probably going to be gold or something like that a couple weeks later Palmer said I got a letter in the mail and it was a deed to land and it was a golf club with greens and sand traps and fairways See, when you come before a king, have, have a big expectation. When you pray, pray in a way of knowing, remembering who you're talking to. That nothing is impossible for God. And you, do, you never pray alone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 